The prospect of a cartel kidnapping was part of everyday life for Ed Calderon during his career fighting cartels and protecting government officials in Mexico from the beginning of the country's crackdown in 2006. Mexican drug cartels are waging an increasingly bloody battle for control of smuggling routes into the United States. The results, thousands dead in the streets, hundreds of police officers murdered, kidnapped victims beheaded and dumped on the side of the road. Even today, the threat of being abducted while in Mexico is still so great that the U.S. State Department continues to warn Americans to reconsider traveling there. Americans are urged to exercise increased caution due to criminal activity, specifically kidnapping. Ed's experiences dealing with that ever-present danger while working south of the border resulted in a wealth of knowledge on how to avoid being kidnapped, or at least how to increase your odds if you aren't as lucky. It's another uncommon skill set that he shares in classrooms internationally. For those students, willing to enter the world of the Sneak Reaper. In exactly two minutes, I'm gonna start putting more restraints on you. Hurry the f up! Later in this episode, we will go inside one of Ed's classrooms for a glimpse at what an education with a Sneak Reaper looks like. And while learning how to not get kidnapped is about more than actors stuffing you into an unmarked van. Ed insists that classes he holds, even on these very specific subjects, are not just for travelers, whether to Mexico or other dangerous places. And while the lessons are universal, the learning process may not always be for the faint of heart. So, you know, people immediately, there's a lot of you know, uncertainty and fear. Uh, I'm not there to scare anybody. You know, that's not what I'm there to do. Uh, th there's some people out there that do similar type training and they're like, they're like, I'm going to create this scary situation and you're, uh, you're going to be very uncomfortable and you got to get, get out of restraints. Uh, I like to download software into them. First day I show them the anatomy of an abduction situation or any sort of situation where you might be put into custody. We always imagine a van, like a white van showing up with a bunch of guys with ski masks on and tossing it in the back of a van. That's, that's immediately what everybody imagines. Uh, but they might not imagine uh, meeting an American out there in a hotel somewhere in Cabo and, and, and feeling safe and trusting of this American. And all of a sudden, this guy just drugged uh, your best friend uh, at, at a bar. And now you realize that you've been drugged or somebody else has been drugged. And now you are basically a victim of a chemical restraint, which there is, it's, it's, it's a thing. So how do you deal with uh, somebody that has, uh, that's been dosed with a ruhypnol pill? The first thing you, you, you I try and do with the students is, uh, trying, trying to make them realize that uh, that it's not just about being abducted by a group of people with ski masks on. Uh, restraints can come in many ways in many forms. Uh, 
and uh, situations like that can come from the more the, the, some people that you wouldn't ex- expect. Everybody's preparing for that villain that has horns on and you know a pitchfork. Uh, but you, you you take a group of students and you tell them, if we were all trying to set up an abduction situation, uh, who would we pick to be the surveillance team? They look around and there's always this young unassuming guy or older unassuming guy with glasses so he usually gets picked if there's women in the class they get picked as a surveillance i was like why them ah you wouldn't expect them to be the abductors okay that makes sense now then why do you imagine when i say abduction why do you imagine guys with ski masks or big guys or guys with tattoos on their faces when you yourselves are now setting up this whole abduction scenario with the most unassuming people here. Wouldn't be safe to say that then you guys might have to shift the way you think about who the opponent might be or who the enemy might be when you're out there. And it's like, well, yeah, to learn that's a that's a moment where you have everybody there like, yeah, can't trust anybody. <laughs> no, no, it's not about not trusting anybody, but it's about being ready for most people out there, even if they seem uh, well-intentioned, uh, that they might not have your uh, best interest in mind. Then I show them how some of these things happen, how some of these groups prepare, show them how to apply it themselves, and then I go into how you reverse engineer some of the stuff to learn how to counteract it, how to become harder to target, how to become harder to follow, pr- to predict, uh, how to how to how to take things like your social media outlets and those of your families and sterilize them. Or take things down that might not be uh, that might be harmful for your security. Uh, every now and then, I do an exercise where each student basically picks another student in the class, and overnight they uh, try and research them online and see whatever they can find about them. <laughs> uh, I do this so people can realize how vulnerable some of the, them are as far as what the inf- the information that they have about them online could be and how they could be tracked by that. It's a hardening process, mental hardening. Uh, personal security and information hardening. And then I show them how to you know, hide things on their person, how to make some of these things that can be utilized to open up a pair of handcuffs, a pair of zip ties, duct tape. Uh, if you get placed in a situation where you're abducted and your chest is on the ground because you were, uh, that might kill you, so you need to adjust that. Uh, what a long-term holding situation might be like and what you need to worry about. Um, some of the after effects of people that have been in some custody situations uh, for, you know, like I think the, the one that I debriefed that was in custody the longest was about a year and a half. So you take people through this whole process and, and um, you basically give them uh, an experience at the end where they're searched, uh, information is gathered on them, and they get placed into a confinement setting and you know, they, they, they apply a lot of what they learn. It, it's a uh, it's scary for some people. Uh, it's uh, it's uncomfortable, uh, and it's very much designed to be a learning experience. And a lot of people make mistakes, and they correct those mistakes. And again, I tell them, you know, you can make all the mistakes you want here. Uh, we have a respawn button here. Out there in the world, not so much. For those working in law enforcement, the military, or security-oriented fields. Ed's classes not only serve as a way to harden themselves, it can also be an opportunity to test their own skills and training on Ed. Yeah, so there's a a certain federal agency 
out there that I had some of their guys show up for a class and great guys, uh, uh, amazing, amazing people, amazing skill set. I'm always kind of uh, fascinated by some of these people that uh, not all of us are wired the same way. And you can always tell when, you know, some people come to a class where you show them how to get a handcuffs and you zip time and tie them up and stuff like that. And they're like enjoying it, you know, <laughs> enjoy, I mean, enjoying the experience of having all this, uh, this crazy uh, skill sets being provided to them. And they told me, hey, we're part of this federal uh, law enforcement agency and this is how we would tie somebody up. or This is how we would restrain somebody that's a high risk individual. Uh, what do you think? It's like, can, can you do it on me? It's like, yeah, can I can I have some preparation time? Yeah, sure. So I went off and hit a bunch of stuff on my person. And uh, and then I was placed into, the only way I can describe it is a Hannibal Lecter type rig, you know, where I'm, my legs are restrained, my arms are restrained towards uh, my hips, uh, and I have a spit shield on my face, you know, basically put into this uh, jumpsuit and, and, and just restrained. And, you know, they, they, they put me in this chair uh, in, in a uh, simulated, you know, holding cell, basically, and, and they just watched me as I went at it, right? Um, it, uh, they did everything good. You know, they did everything they needed to do. Uh, they went through procedure. They searched me, and a lot of the things that they searched me for were kind of geared towards weapons. They thought I was going to try and have a concealed weapon on me. Uh, but that wasn't my kind of plan. Um, so uh, I, I, I hit a few things on my person. One of the things that I've, I think I'm probably the only one that's actually shared publicly, um, is a video of a friend of mine who does body modification stuff. Uh, and he basically showed me how to hide things underneath your skin. Something that I've already seen criminals apply on there out, out there. Uh, it's hardcore. It's not something I would advise anybody to do, but it's a thing that's possible. Um, so uh, that's one way you can hide something. So people develop calluses, and they actually use the calluses as a pocket to hide certain tools and elements. Uh, people put things in their mouth, uh, tied to dental floss so they don't swallow it which is another thing that I had on my person. Uh, there's just a bunch of weird ways to hide things. And I was basically almost stripped down. And they put a, uh, a flight suit on me, and they put the uh, rig on me. And uh, with the things that I had concealed in my mouth and underneath my skin, I within the hour, I was loose. Uh, one of my hands was loose, basically. Um, and it was, a, it, was, it was not easy. <laughs> uh, they eventually told me, so how would you negate what you just did? And I told them, well, just put an evidence bag over their hands and then handcuff them over the bag. That way you eliminate their ability to manipulate things with their fingers. You know, your, your, your main enemy there is your fingers. So, you know, every now and then I get images sent to me of people with bags on their hands <laughs> after that interaction, which is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a small little lesson that I provided to them, uh, but uh, you know I worry about them. <laughs> I don't want anything bad to happen to them. I know that the skill sets that I have are not uh, skill sets that are 
restricted to government people only. I know they're they're very much criminally sourced. So if I could do it, there's probably a lot of people out there that could do it themselves that might not have the best intentions. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. We'll return right after this brief break. The relationships Ed has developed with some of his students have allowed him to enhance his training with new knowledge. Sometimes he receives donations from former students that he can give to others who may be more in need. And as you can imagine, a guy like Ed has received some pretty strange gifts to say the least. So every now and then I do these uh, donation drives. Uh, people that have expired medical equipment, people that uh, have uh, maybe medical bags, uh, tourniquets, that type of stuff. I usually uh, put a call out and people send me that stuff. I gather it and I make these uh, medical kits. And when I'm in Mexico and I'm training some people that are at risk and stuff like that, I usually hand those out to them you know, along with some training or along with some, you know, some know-how. Uh, but sometimes these donation drives, uh, every now and then I get offers for weird stuff, you know? So some of these guys that I, that I trained, uh, sent me a bag full of, uh, somebody's basically somebody's restraint collection, uh, psychiatric, uh, nylon restraints, uh, thumb cuffs, what looks like a straight jacket, <laughs> uh, just weird, random, different types of restraints, uh, that somebody probably collected over the span of a, of a lifetime. And uh, I get these, and I always get them with, like, how would you, you know, go about attacking these? Uh, one thing I try and shy away from is forums or places where there's, uh, you know, lock picking or lock support guys. I don't want to use them as a, as a reference. I want to use criminality as a reference. Uh, so what I do is basically I take all these things, I put them on the ground, and uh, I start fiddling around with them, see how I could open them up with ways that I could source in an office uh, setting or in a hospital setting or by walking around with a magnet and just picking up random small bits of steel on the sidewalk or, you know, like street sweeper bristles. Uh, and then seeing if I could get, get out of the objects, uh, the restraints with those. Uh, again, it's a never-ending learning process. Uh, why do we break things? We break things to make them better. Um, and I'm always of the mindset of like when somebody sends me something to test out, I'm always trying to figure out if I can break, if I can break it because that's how my my, my mind works, right? Um, so like with this bag of restraints, I'm seeing if I can break them, cut them open, uh, or find a way to manipulate them open. And most of these methods are already out there. Uh, but to me, it's always a you know, process like, oh, let me see if I can get out of this. Let me see if I can get out of that. You know? And uh, all these things I share with people from law enforcement, all these things I share with sometimes publicly, uh, because law enforcement uh, nowadays is, aren't the only ones that carry handcuffs. Even zip ties now. I'm seeing more and more police-level zip ties being utilized in some criminal uh, activity. Uh, so, you know, you sh- you, you, there's always this mindset of, of uh, it's like an arms race in a way where somebody comes up with a more secure method of tying somebody up and somebody comes up with a way of uh, freeing yourself from it. 
Ed says the problem with this cycle of creating new restraints and someone else developing new ways to escape them is that the cartels are also starting to pay attention. Those in my own profession of bomb disposal, or EOD, know this all too well. We call it a chess game. As we develop techniques to safely remove roadside bombs, our enemies like ISIS or the Taliban engineer those same bombs to detonate in new ways, making what was a safe procedure yesterday a fatal move today. And just as we discovered in places such as Iraq or Afghanistan, the cartels have been coming up with new methods that are difficult to mitigate, even for experts like Ed. There was a group in Mexico uh, that put uh, angled cut barbs on the inside of their restraints uh, with a zip tie. So they would take two zip ties and link them together with two other zip ties. And when they would cut the uh, the ax- excess of the zip tie, they would leave these angled, pointed, jagged pit- bits of it pointed straight into the wrists. So when they would cinch them on, that you would get stabbed through the wrist with those. So any sort of movement that where you would try to burst them open or you know move them around, it, it would be immediate pain compliance or you would basically rip open your wrist if you tried to burst them open. That is an example of them seeing uh, people online bursting zip ties open on YouTube. Then them uh, as criminals seeing that and them, and them deciding how can we make these harder to, to, to get out of, right? So the, again, that's, that conversation, that evolution, that, uh, that sort of mindset as far as evolving methodology is what I'm I think I'm having success with as far as what I'm trying to provide for people you know when people come to a class uh, next year they're going to see a different form of what I'm showing this year because I'm always trying to apply new things that I'm kind of learning the need to stay ahead of the cartels was driven home when Ed brought his anti-abduction expertise to a kidnapping hotspot back home in Mexico an area he calls the belly of the beast. And by that point, more than half of the students who attended his class had already been in an abduction situation of some kind. I did a uh, counter-abduction class in Culiacan, which was very risky, very dangerous. I probably won't do it again, uh, but it was an experience that I wanted to have. Uh, who would I be if I didn't do it at least once, you know? Who would I be as an instructor if I could, didn't go to the belly of the beast, basically, and uh, do a class there? And basically, I did a class for a bunch of uh, businessmen and some students uh, dealing with counter-abduction situations. Interesting thing about that uh, experience is that I asked the question, uh, who here has ever been in an abduction situation before? And probably 60% of that class raised their hands. So they'd already been through that experience themselves. And then they asked the question, who here knows somebody who's been abducted? Everybody raised their hands, right? Um, Who here's lost family to a situation like this? A lot of people raised their hands. So it's a different group and a different mindset. You can see the passion. You can see the the reason, the mindset, the motivation to learn these things with them. I mean, they, 
it wasn't a laughing matter to them at all. I mean, there's usually I try and I think, keep uh, classes kind of like, you know, not not as stern. You know, just I try to keep a sense of humor about things. But with them, it was you know dead silence. You know, they were they were there to learn something. Some of the people who come to Ed's classes, like the ones in Culiacan, already have a history of traumatic experiences, something we have discussed before. And while those students frequently learn a lot about themselves, Ed says they are often the ones who wind up teaching him the most. But every now and then I uh, I get students coming in with a prior experience or an experience or a history of violence behind them. And uh, I'm not a, I'm not there to be a therapist, uh, <laughs> uh, but I am there to show them a skill set. I, I feel a certain a certain pride when somebody comes into the class with a with a background of some sort of violent experience because they if i show them anything that doesn't fit their experience or that or they can't justify actually applying within the experience that they already had they're going to call me out on it so i'm keeping myself honest uh, if i show them something that's completely useless in the experience that they went through then i'm i'm going to run into a real problem <laughs> but I, I always welcome those questions. I always welcome these people that have an experience because they are the best people that, that could have an opinion on what you're showing in a class, right? But also, uh, there's a certain sadness that you feel that uh, these people are coming to see you after the fact. You know, they, they don't want this thing to happen again. And a lot of women that come to some of these classes, and there's not a lot of them, sadly, uh, uh, some of these women come to a class with a prior experience of some sort, a uh, violent experience, and uh, doing the class is a way of them working out some of their fears, maybe some of their issues. They don't want that to happen again, so they're making themselves more knowledgeable, uh, more educated on the subject matter. And yeah, again, you can see that, that for them, for them, it's business, and you could see a more quiet seriousness in, in some of these people. Uh, but sadly, uh, being self-sufficient, uh, being uh, not dependent on somebody to come and save you is, uh, not, it's, it's becoming less and less common and certain things about, you know, uh, taking responsibility for the safety of yourself and your family into your own hands is becoming more of a, more, more of a fringe thing for people. Um, so you get to see these people coming in with a lot of uh, experience behind them and they want they want uh, they, they don't want that to happen again and that's uh, that's what I am in a lot of ways uh, I always tell people that I'm a cautionary tale <laughs> uh, I didn't I didn't learn first I did first and then tried to learn how to do it better it's like hey I want to learn how to how to not get punched in the face so I went and got punched in the face a, a lot of times until I learned how to duck. It's a phenomenon that Ed has referred to in previous episodes, the alchemy of violence. It's a reference to the profound changes that occur in a person, whether mental or physical, after experiencing certain life or death situations. Ed says it's an alchemy he does try to conjure in some of his classes without pushing people over the edge and obviously without as much life or death risk. You are about to hear audio from one of Ed's recent seminars. 
This class was an advanced level anti-abduction and counter custody training. You won't be able to make out too much in the way of specifics. But please be warned, the tension Ed creates in this clip and in his classrooms isn't just about some harsh language. This will get your blood racing, and it may not be for the faint of heart. If you'd prefer to use your imagination, feel free to skip ahead one minute from the time you hear the sound effect of a tape starting up. alchemy and violence that changes. Um, I think most of the people that I've met that have gone through some sort of situation, be it a single situation or a prolonged experience of violence, uh, there's a chemical change. As a, as a human being, your anatomy and your physiology and your brain chemistry will be completely different and change after a violent situation that you might go through. This is not pseudoscience, this is not me speaking philosophically. People will change after a violent encounter or a violent event. Um, as far as the training goes, I mean, it's a high stress, uh, it's high stress training. Um, it, there's a lot of activity going on, there's a lot of people moving around, tussling around, uh, there's a lot of uncomfortable positions. In exactly two minutes, I'm going to start putting more restraints on you. There's a lot of things that people get exposed to, be it uh, visual format through, through the videos that I show, be it uh, by emotional uh, breakthroughs that because people go through. You know, there was a guy that went through one of the classes who had a claustrophobia. So being tied up and put into a van might be not the best place for him. So we kind of eased him into it. Uh, and he's been working on that for a while, and he's showed up to a few classes, uh, and he's better for it. Uh, there's definitely a change that happens, and in a way, I'm trying to provide a, a controlled form of change for some of these people. You know, they come to a class without any sort of prior experience. They're not too sure of it. Maybe a friend of them uh, recommended it. Maybe it's the wife of a husband that went to the class and brought the wife there, and she didn't want to go through it. But in the end... She's covered in training, fake blood. After putting two successful tourniquets on two patients in a high-stress environment where there's active shooters firing paintballs at them, and she just dragged these two people and saved their lives in a training setting. And she's just like, yeah, I did it, you know? You know, they're, they're, um, they come out of that different. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely a, an alchemy going on there with some of the training. That's what people are afraid of in a lot of ways. Uh, so people are actually avoiding the, the uh, growing pains. Uh, they're, they're avoiding the, the process of going through 
something like a training scenario uh, where they might fail or they might look bad in front of somebody else that they love uh, or they might uh, you know not perform to the standards that they think they would perform or they might have performed before uh, there's a fear in that uh, you know all, all change is something that, uh, that some people don't want that alchemy uh, coming back from that experience uh, that's what I usually see in some of the veteran, veteran communities that I've kind of experienced uh, in the, on the U.S. side. Uh, veteran support groups, uh, some of the veterans that I consider family now. We have these long conversations uh, well into the night about our experiences. Um, you kind of see that uh, alchemy in them, and it's a universal language. That kind of alchemy, specifically when it comes to the veteran and law enforcement communities, is something we will address in much greater detail in our final episodes. But the changes that occur in Ed's quote-unquote classrooms, which can range from martial arts gyms to abandoned industrial spaces, has forced a few people to tap out. Ed says that's nothing to be ashamed of, especially when you consider the pedigree of those people who have had to call time. Safety is always paramount. Um, and... Um... I've, uh, I've, I've seen people go into, you know, people, highly skilled people at all levels from the highest level, uh, service branch that I've gotten to train to people that are, you know, into MMA that have a few, uh, that have an amateur record that have a lot of experience with violence, uh, to people that have no experience with anything that get put into a very uncomfortable position where that might, uh, awaken some sort of experience behind them where they went through a, an some sort of violent encounter and they're trying to figure out uh, ways of getting out of a, a pair of handcuffs uh, that I put on them uh, with a tool that they fabricated uh, in their hotel room uh, during the night and uh, seeing them get stuck or maybe uh, seeing them remember some sort of experience they had in the past and freaking out, them getting freed, coming over to them and talking to them about the experience and then asking them, do you want to be placed back into the experience, uh, learning experience or not? You know, some of them say yes, which, you know, I appreciate. Uh, some of them say no, but then a year later I'll see them again and they go through it, you know. Um, and it's not a pass or fail type uh, class. If anything, it's about learning a little bit about yourself and what you're capable of doing. Ed may seem like he's trying to scare you. But in fact, the main lesson he tries to impart in all of his classes is one of overwhelming hope, even if that sense of hope comes with the signature twist of the sneak reaper. All restraints are temporary. Uh, you're either cut free of them by somebody else, you free yourself, or you die and your body rots away around them in a field somewhere. Uh, I always tell them that uh, to motivate them to to try and take that uh, door number two and find a way to free themselves. Um, all restraints are temporary, and sometimes uh, I, also, I also add to that all restraints are not physical. Sometimes we have mental restraints. Sometimes we have chemical restraints. Sometimes you could be drugged, or sometimes you can be convinced that you're stuck in a room with an open door. Uh, a lot of the things that people do in a criminal fashion to abduct you is that they try and convince you that they're in control and that there's no 
hope of escape. Uh, a lot of people buy that, and some people don't. And as soon as you buy that you're in custody and that escape is uh, impossible, then uh, you you just you just just made your you just made your up your uh, mind as far as your options, which are none. <laughs> uh, you know that all restraints are temporary. On the next Alchemy of Violence, we'll look at some of the other skills that have not only catapulted Ed's career, but potentially saved countless lives. I told her, you're a hero. You just didn't save yourself. You saved probably a lot of people that might have been trampled to death in that uh, that setting. No military background. Uh, just uh, beautiful, responsible people that uh, wanted to be better prepared. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.